This is part three in a five-part series. And uh, the hashtag you're going to use is friends. If you're going to put something on social media, that helps us all to see what you wrote. Also, here's that email address I was talking about. You can use this for anything to communicate with the church, anything. But, unless it's something bad about the sermon, I don't, I don't want to hear that. But, uh, you, can, you can, really, seriously, you can use this for anything. Letting us know you want to be a part of the prayer team. Letting us know you want to be in kids ministry. Letting us know you want to work with the teenagers. Letting us know you, whatever, you want to work in the hospitality team, whatever. You just let us know. Uh, using this email address. But if you want the sermon notes, that's the email address you use as well, and we'll send you the sermon notes. All right, um, in this sermon series, we're talking about what the Bible, what God says about friendship, human friendship, friendship with each other, friendship with people in our neighborhood, people we go to church with. What does the Word of God say about that? What does God say about genuine, real, true friendship? Now, one of the things that I've had more questions about than anything else I've said during this series is, Pastor, I couldn't believe, I was surprised, I mean, it makes sense, but I was surprised when the Bible said a man or a human of many friends um, will come to ruin. But what that means is you can only have so many really, really close friends. You can have a lot of casual friends. You can have a lot of casual acquaintances. But you can only have a few really, really good friends. Now we know this because Jesus taught it and Jesus modeled it. Jesus, had, Jesus loved how many people? All people. But Jesus had 12, and out of that 12, he had three, and out of that three, he had one. He had 12 disciples, and then the three were Peter, James, and John, and then out of those three was John, and Jesus called him my beloved, the beloved. So Jesus had intimate relationships, close relationships, but he loved everybody, and he modeled the fact that you can't have a lot of really, really, really close friends. Um, so this is just wisdom in the book of Proverbs. We're taught this again, Jesus showing it. Let's go to the scripture that we're using as a foundation for this sermon series. It is Proverbs 17 and verse 17. And I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Bible. It says, a friend loves at, everybody say it, all times. That verse goes on and a brother is born for adversity. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So a true friend is a rare thing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be honest with you. If you've got one person who you can share anything with, and they will love you, and they will, they will not automatically pat you on the back and go, hey, I always agree with you. That's not a true friend. We're going to talk about that today some more. But if you've got somebody you can share everything with, they can share everything with you, somebody who will love you, pray for you, hold you accountable, you hold them accountable, I'm telling you, if you have one person like that, that's a rare thing. That is a rare thing, and it is a blessed thing, a blessed thing. So here's what we've talked about. For the last two weeks, we've talked about, number one, the value of friendship, the worth of friendship. Last week, we went to number two. We talked about the qualities 
of a real friend, and we found out that one of those qualities is that real friendship is unconditional, unconditional. And we went into the topic of emotional dependency. And we talked about emotional dependency as the most toxic imposter of friendship. Emotional dependency is not friendship. Emotional dependency is about controlling another person. I got to tell you, we had a lot of requests for notes from that sermon. And some of you realized that you were in a relationship like that and you felt obligated as a Christian that if I really love this person, then I've got to give in to their demands. And we found out last week that's not true. True friendship is all about freedom. It's all about liberty. Listen, if I'm your friend, if I'm your true friend, I want you to do well. I want you to have other friends. I want you to have other interests outside our relationship. But when I want you to be exclusively my friend, and when I get mad or jealous or upset when you spend time with other people, or I've got all kind of manipulative little things I do to control you. Listen to me. That's not God's will for your life. And that is not what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about friendship. My hands are just right up here. <laughs> what is that called when you do that? Jazzy hands, yes. I'll try it. Let me get them down. And <laughs> I mean, I was preaching. I was like, wait a minute. What is that? Okay. So, let me point, let me point. Charles Stanley. Has Charles Stanley got the longest finger you've ever seen in your life? I'm a Christian and he makes me want to get saved every time I hear him preach. You need to be saved. Yes, sir. I just chased a rabbit right down the road. I'm coming back, coming back to the main road. Welcome to the bridge. So, so, here's the deal. Um, look at your friendships. Let the Holy Spirit evaluate your friendships. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Let the Holy Spirit warn you. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. What was another word we talked about? What is that word? Discernment. Discernment. Because here's the deal, guys. Christians, we're Christians. We love Jesus. So we feel like, man, we got to love everybody deeply. We can't, we can't tell somebody no. Uh, we got to meet every time they want to meet. We've got to stay on the phone as long as they want to stay on the phone. We got to let them manipulate us. We got to let them use us because, you know, we're Christians and we're supposed to be like Jesus. Can I tell you something? Jesus never did that. And he's warning you about that. So we're not going to re-preach that sermon, but i got to tell you, that's a really important sermon. Unconditional friendship is true friendship. We're going to talk about two more qualities of true friendship today. Uh, quality number two we're going to talk about now is faithfulness. True friendship can be counted on. It can be counted on. And I know you're saying, I thought you just said we can't. Listen, there's a balance. Listen carefully. Let's go back to our scripture, Proverbs 17, 17. A true friend loves at all times. All times. The, pro the problem with that is, 
what we think looks like love and what Jesus says love is can be two different things. True love is not manipulation. That's not love. But a lot of us have defined it that way. But Jesus says that is not love. You can love a person at all times without being controlled by that person. Let's go to Proverbs 18, 24. And let's look at a, um, this is the New Covenant version. It's a wonderful uh, version of the scriptures. It says a real friend, a true friend, a, a genuine friend is more loyal than a brother. Now, right there is a word we get messed up on. We think loyalty means that no matter what our friend does, we got their back. We got their back. You know, people will look at you sometimes and go, you got my back? I mean, we got to have each other's back. I mean, I mean, you know, I try to have my staff here at the bridge, I try to have their back. Uh, they, they have my back, but I'm going to tell you something. When I step out of line, my staff calls me out. My staff calls me out. That's why we have a, a board in this church uh, of laymen. Uh, we have a, a spiritual board, a board of elders that are focused on the spiritual matters of the church. And can I just say this? Everything about the church is spiritual because the people who work on the other uh, team, which is the financial team, how many of you know that's pretty spiritual too? How many of you know we need to pray over every penny we spend to make sure we use it for the glory of God? And uh, we have two teams and they work together, but they hold me accountable. They hold my staff accountable. Our, uh, our administrators here, Jim, where are you? Wave at me. Jim, I want you to stand up. Stand up. That's Jim Gilligan. That's our administrator. Uh, his title, his official title is businessman. He looks after our church. He looks after the structure. He looks after the organization of our church. He makes sure when you get here on Sunday morning, you're going to find teams in place ready to serve. He's here all during the week. Trish, his wife, sitting beside him going, amen. He's here all the time during the week. But we love Jim, and we love Trish, and we thank God for them. And i got to tell you something. When the, when the board of our church brought Jim on staff, and I got to be the pastor and not the businessman and the pastor, that's when this church doubled in size. When Jim came on staff here, we had 800. Since he's been on staff, we had last week 1,700. And the reason is, not because he's so awesome, I want to clarify that, but the reason is that he's able to do what his gift is, and that freed me up to do what my gift is. Because I'm telling you now, and the board, and anybody who's here who's ever served on the board of this church knows, Pastor Farrell is not a business guy. I'm not an administrator. I'm a people person. And I love this part of my ministry, and I love being out there in the parking lot, and I love hugging everybody. And, you know, that's my, my role as pastor, minister, shepherd. And I'm telling you, thank God for Pastor Jim and all that he does uh, here at our church. But, but we have staff meetings and, and individual meetings all during the week. And we love each other, and we have each other's back. But I'll tell you what we do. We hold each other accountable. We hold each other accountable. On more than one occasion, the staff has gone, Pastor, first of all, we love you. And when they say that, I brace myself. 
but isn't that what y'all want? I don't want to be surrounded by yes men. I don't want to be surrounded by people who go, we can't say anything to him. Yeah, there are some things going on, and I'm really concerned about what's going on, and I'm concerned about some things he's doing. I'm concerned about some things he's saying, and blah, 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 but they can never say anything to me. How many of y'all have been to a church where nobody could say anything to the pastor like that? Well, let me tell you, this church probably goes way overboard in pointing out my, my <laughs> no, I'm kidding, it's very balanced. They're very affirming, very loving toward me. But I tell you what, they love me enough to hold me accountable. And I love them enough to hold them accountable. So that word loyal doesn't mean I'm going to have your back no matter what. Oh, I'm going to have your back in the sense I'm never going to abandon you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to turn my back on you. I'm going to always be here for you. But loyal doesn't mean, hey, man, anything you do is right. That's not loyalty. Are you all with me? That's not loyalty. It means uh, a real friend will stick with you even when you mess up. Again, it means no conditions attached. I'm going to love you even when you mess up. I'm going to love you, but I'm going to tell you you messed up. I'm going to tell you you're going in the wrong direction. Recently, I read a story about an English publication years ago that had a contest to write the best definition of the word friend. And here are some that they came up with. A friend is somebody who multiplies your joys and divides your griefs. You know, if you're in a, if you're in a friendship that grieves you more than it gives you joy, there's a sign. There's a sign right there. I mean, you might say, you know, going back to that emotional dependency we talked about last week, I mean, you might say, oh, this person's my friend. But when you see them on the inside, you go, oh, look at them. Amen? And you say, oh, they're my friend, and yeah, I, I'm with them all the time, and I... I sit down with them, but when you see them or you look on your phone and you go, help me, Jesus. <laughs> Something's messed up with that friendship. A real friend multiplies your joy and divides your grief. Now, will there be some grief in a friendship? And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Yes, when they're suffering, you're going to go through that with them. But when you look down and you see, I mean, we, I mean, the phone's the best way to illustrate this, isn't it? I'm going to pray right now so when I don't call them back, I tell them I was praying when you called. And you are praying because when you saw them, their name, you said, help me, Jesus. <laughs> so you did pray immediately when you saw their name. See, that's a sign, guys, that, that, you know, if a person calls you on the phone and you look at it, and you go, you know what, if they're calling me at this time of the day or they're calling me at this time of night, something's up. But when you look at your phone and you know when you look at it, it's going to be bad. And first of all, they're going to tell you all their troubles and they're going to they're tell you you're not doing enough for them. And so that is, that is, a, that is a relationship that is bringing you heaviness. That is a, that is a you say, well, what do I do with that? I mean, I love, 
then you talk to them about that. You get honest about that. You say, but then they won't be my friend anymore. If that happens, guess what? They weren't your friend anyway. Now, don't walk out this morning again and go, I'm done with you, buddy. I got the, I got the key to unlock the door. I am taking off the chains of you. Don't do that. But I do hope this will help you evaluate those relationships. And I'll tell you what else I hope it will do. I hope it will free you up to get out of some things that are not good for you. Either hold them accountable and help them if they'll let you. And if they want, then you got to move on. You can still love them. You can still be their acquaintance. More than likely, though, if they want control, you're going to be their arch enemy. Once you break this controlling relationship, they're going to be your arch enemy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> Instead, amen, you can just go true that. Whatever. A friend is somebody who multiplies your joys, divides your griefs. Hey, I love this one. A friend is somebody who understands your silence. I love friends that I can just be with, and if I don't want to talk, they get that. Amen. True that. Me not talking, though, very rare. Very rare. So if I'm not talking, they're going, something's really messed up with that guy today, you know? So I want friends who, who, who I can call up and go, can we go play golf today and not talk about anything but golf? I will still leave heavy-hearted that's the kind of golfer I am. I will still leave heavy-hearted. But can we just talk? Can we not talk? Let's don't talk about anything except golf or our kids or whatever brings joy. Let's just have a joyful conversation. I am hurting. I am going through some stuff, but I've shared that with you. Can we just have some time together where we don't talk about any of that stuff? Who needs a friend like that once in a while? Amen. Amen. Here's another one. A friend is somebody who walks in when everyone else has walked out. Wow, I like that. Simply put, a real friend loves at all times. Doesn't try to control you at all times, but loves at all times. Reminds me of a word, steadfast. And that's a Bible word, actually. In Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, when Luke is describing the attributes of the early church. By the way, commercial right here. <laughs> Bill Bennett. Do you guys know Bill Bennett? Are you familiar with Bill Bennett? You probably know him from the political world, but he's a, he's a Christian. He just wrote a book called Tried by Fire. And I can't wait to get that book because it's a history book on the first thousand years of the church. The first thousand years. So I would recommend that book to you. Now, there's only one book you're going to read and agree with everything in it. And what book is that? Amen. So you might read some stuff in there you don't particularly agree with, but he's brilliant. So I can't wait to get my hands on that book. Now the commercial's over. Back to the message. So in that early church, it's talking about the qualities of an early church, of the early church. It was really, really in Acts 2, 41 through 47, it's actually a list of qualities of a healthy church anytime, anywhere. And one thing that you will read when you go through that little short passage of scripture over and over is they continued steadfastly. They were committed to 
the doctrine of the apostles. Steadfastness is a good quality when you are steadfastly doing what is right. Steadfast friendship. If you really want to find out who your friends are, make a mistake. Amen? I mean, don't just make a little one. Make a whopper. And you'll find out who your friends are. Um, take responsibility. You've got to take responsibility for that problem you to, or that, that mistake you made. But take responsibility and make a mistake. Take responsibility and see the reaction. And you'll find out there who your friends are. Uh, there are some people who you thought were your friends, but when you make a big mistake and when you take responsibility for it, they will still leave you. Because it's not popular to be your friend anymore. They will turn on you. The scriptures are clear that these people are not your friend. Let's look at Proverbs 27, 10. I already said this in my preaching, but I want you to see uh, this scripture. It says, never abandon a friend. Proverbs 27, 10. Never abandon a friend. Now again, when you hold a friend accountable, they might get upset with you, but don't abandon them. Keep telling them you love them. Keep admitting that you make mistakes too, but you saw this in their life and you knew where it was going to take them and so you felt like you had to speak up because you care. And if they get ticked off, and that's the Greek word for mad, if they get ticked off, then you just love them. Don't abandon them and don't go. If that's the way they're going to be, then I just won't have anything to do with them anymore. No, you can't do that. What if Jesus did that with you? We'd be in big trouble. We'd be in major trouble. But, but that's, that's where it kicks in, the fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 is when you're controlled by the Holy Spirit is long-suffering. In other words, when somebody is, is really testing you, you hang in there with them. You hang in there with them. Even when they've turned their back, even when they've said, I don't want anything to do, do with you anymore because you held me accountable. I don't want anything to do. Just you don't abandon them. You still be, make yourself available to them because there may come a day. As a matter of fact, likely there will come a day when they will come to you and go, man, you were so right. You were so right. And I know I gave you a hard time. And see, if you, if you abandon them, they'll never come to you. So you can't abandon your friends. A real friend's going to be there for you, stick with you, love you at all times. Now, this word steadfastness, and this really kind of flips. We're going to kind of flip the sermon today a little bit because here's what we've talked about. The way I've been preaching this series, it's almost like, all of you guys are okay. We're talking about the crazy people in our lives. So here, here's what I want to do. I want to flip it, and I want to ask you, what kind of friend are you? Not just what are people toward me or to me, but what kind of friend are you? What kind of friend are you? Because there's probably people in your life <clears throat> that had issues and needed you, and maybe you didn't show up because you thought, hey, I got my own problems, man. Can I tell you, I felt that way. I felt, and y'all look so holy when I admit that. Y'all, all y'all got little halos. I see them over your head. How many of y'all have thought when somebody needed you the first thought or pretty quick after that, you thought, I got my own problems. Come on, let's, let's fess up. I've got my own problems. The rest of y'all lying. You need to be in the altar after service. <laughs> so... 
we've all thought that. We've all thought it. We've all thought, man, quit whining. I got problems bigger than yours. And don't you love it when you're sharing a burden and somebody interrupts you and goes, let me tell you my problem. And you're like, I got a couple more sentences I want to. No, no, look, my problem's so much bigger than yours. Just stop talking. Let me tell you what happened. Tell you what happened on um, either the day Mitch died or the next day after he died. A woman came to see us and she, her daughter and her daughter's husband had separated and she couldn't stop talking to us about that. And here's what she said. She said, I know y'all got problems, but let me tell you that my daughter and her husband just separated. I was like, sister, you better move on down, move on down the road. <laughs> Amen? I mean, come on, man. When somebody's suffering, and people are notorious for this, I can't think of a time I've ever done it, but I'm sure I have. When somebody's trying to unload, somebody's trying to share, somebody's trying to, and you are thinking about, that's nothing. I got my deal. Let me tell you about my deal. And that shows the kind of friend you are. So we got to be careful about that. We can't be uh, saying, I've got my own problems. I can't even hear what you're saying because i got my own problems. Of course. Let me tell you something. If you're not going to help another person with problems because you got problems, then you will never help another person with problems because how many times have you got problems? All the time. So when somebody's sharing with you a pain, you're a Christian. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. It could be that God moved on their heart to share that with you because as a Christian, you might be able to share a word with them. So, so get out of the habit. It's just human nature. I'm talking to myself. we got to get out of the habit of going, that ain't nothing. I mean, we don't say that at the beginning of the statement, but it kind of, you know, it's implied let me tell you what's going on with me. Now, sometimes if somebody comes up to me and says, you know, my son's going through addiction, my daughter, I had somebody come up to me Thursday night and go, my son's on heroin, I will listen to that and then I will tell them my story because I want them to know where we're coming from. I'm, hey, listen, I'm not judging you. Been through that in my own life, uh, the drug addiction and all of that, and losing a son with a drug overdose. So you, it's okay to share stuff so you can let people know, hey man, I've kind of walked that road too. That's different than going, well, hold right there. Let me tell you, my fish, I, you caught a fish this big. I got caught one this big. So we've got to be careful about that. Another thing that keeps us from helping other people is we look at them while they're talking and we think, hey dude, you caused that problem. You caused your own problem. This is your fault. Hey, you know what? That might be true, but they still need your help. They still need to tell somebody. Can I, can I confess something else while y'all sit out there with your little halos over your head? Can I confess something else? Nearly every problem I have is my fault. Every, nearly every challenge I have in my life is because I made a poor decision or I didn't make the best decision or I didn't pray about it. 
or I acted on impulse and didn't really consult God. So just about every problem I have, there may be some things that happen to me I don't have any control over, but I'm telling you most of the negative things that happen to me happen because I didn't make the right decision. I didn't precede that event with a good decision. So I'm telling you, I'm like that. So again, if I'm not going to help anybody because the problem they're in, they did it to themselves, well, then nobody ought to help me either. Because a, a lot of times the problem I have is my fault, but I still need help with it. Amen, amen, y'all with me? We're talking about love here, man. We're talking about the love of Jesus, the way Jesus loves. This brings us to the final uh, one we're going to talk about today, the characteristics of true friendship. True friendship is sacrificial. It's sacrificial. We've talked about this a little bit, but I want to amplify it. Remember, we've already talked about that genuine friendship is expensive. We talked about that last week, remember? We talked about how genuine friendship, when you have that deep friendship with somebody, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you emotionally because when they go through trouble again, whether it's their fault or it happened to them or whatever, and they get emotional and they're hurting, then you have that relationship with them. You're going to suffer with them. Matter of fact, here's a scripture to write down to go home and read. 1 Corinthians 13. What is that? whole chapter about love first corinthians 13 says love is this love is this love is this so we say we love somebody we say we care about somebody it says we suffer with them we rejoice when they have something to rejoice over but when they go through pain we suffer with them so there is a cost involved. When you say, I'm going to commit to this friendship, there's a cost involved, a cost of time, a cost of energy. How many of you have spent time with a friend who's going through a really, really hard time, and you weren't with them that long, maybe an hour, and when you got in your car or whatever, you went home, you were exhausted. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. One of the toughest jobs in the local church is counseling. You need to pray for Scott and Sherry because when you sit with people who are hurting hour after hour, time after time, and you're sharing with them and you're hurting with them, and, and look, Scott and Sherry even feel it deeper because you know their testimony. They've been through it too. They've been through it themselves. They know what it feels like. So they're not imagining what it feels like <laughs> when they sit down with a couple that's struggling, but they know what it feels like. And especially when, when a couple uh, has been having trouble for a really long time, and right before they separate or right before they divorce, they go for counseling. I mean, that, you know, you let the roots get deep, you let it, you let it get more solidified, it's harder. So Scott and Sherry are in there, and not just them, but many of our staff people do counseling. A lot of our staff do counseling. I do some counseling when I can. And it is just draining. And, and again, don't, don't hear that and hear that as something for you to say, uh, oh, well, I'm not going to bother you guys. Don't say that. We, we're here for that. That's what God's called us to do. However, at the same time, it's exhausting. So you're going to invest energy in a friendship. You're going to invest effort and strength to fulfill the commitment you've made to this genuine friend. This means that sometimes it would be easier to forsake them Sometimes it would be easier to 
um, not be there for them than to sacrifice what you know you're going to have to sacrifice. So true friendship is sacrificial. Look at, again, we go back to our text, back to our key verse, Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a brother is born to share trouble. A brother is born to share trouble. And that brother there certainly can be blood brother, but it's talking more about in the spiritual sense. You are born for the purpose of sharing in their trouble. Native Americans, Indians, have uh, a very powerful word for friendship. I can't pronounce it in their language. It's actually a combination of several words, but it's very powerful, and it means, uh, this is their word for friendship, one who carries my sorrows upon his back. What does the Bible say? Bear ye one another's burdens. One who carries the sorrows of another. So let's close with this. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, Old Testament. We're going to go, we've been in the Old Testament. Let's stay there. Isaiah 53, verses 3 and 4. This is an Old Testament prophecy of Jesus who is coming. In the Old Testament, Jesus hasn't arrived in earthly form yet. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. But this is an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. Y'all with me? And here's what it says about the Messiah who's coming. It says, he, Jesus, was despised and rejected. How many we know that's true? A man of what? Sorrows. A man who was acquainted with bitterest grief. We turned our backs on him. And look the other way when he, wept, when he went by. He was despised and we did not care. Look at the next verse. Yet it was our weaknesses. Wow, I got real high pitch right there. Did y'all notice that? <laughs> it was our. It was, it was our weaknesses. He what? Carried. It was our sorrows that he, that what? Weighed him down. So again, who's our example? Jesus. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. Jesus is our example. When I read that verse in preparation for this message today, I thought about that old hymn we used to sing when I was a little boy. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. You know what he was criticized for a lot? Being a friend of sinners. Huh. Bridge, I want to be known for that. I want to be criticized for that. I know you're out there going, you are good. We're a friend of sinners. Everybody say it. The bridge is a friend of sinners. Last time I checked, broken people need a hospital. They don't need a club for healed people. They need a hospital for broken people. Oh, a friend of sinners. God, let that be said of me. Let that be said of me. I love John 15, 13, and it's not going to come up on the screen. Just listen. Greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. 
Jesus was such a loyal friend to us, sinners, that he laid down his life so we wouldn't go to hell when we die. He laid down his life so we could go to heaven when we die. True friendship is unconditional. True friendship is faithful. True friendship is sacrificial. These are the things we've talked about so far. We'll